Hi, this is Dr. Madi Schner, and I'm here with Dr. Jolene Smith. And today's Whipum podcast will be talking about um, CBD and THC as well as medical marijuana. So I'll let Dr. Smith go ahead and introduce herself and um, talk a little bit about her practice. Well, thanks, Dr. Schner. Yeah, again, this is uh, Dr. Jolene Smith, and I want to thank Dr. Schner and Whipum for inviting me onto this podcast on a very interesting and prevalent topic. I'm actually joining you today from Des Moines, Iowa. I'll give you a little history about some background, and then I'll go through some disclosures, and then we'll get into the meat of the questions. I'm a uh, pain management physician working in private practice in Des Moines and have been here for the past six years. I did my medical school at Des Moines University, where I am now an adjunct assistant professor, and then did my internship, anesthesia residency, and pain management fellowship at Mayo Clinic in Rochester. So I've actually been interested in cannabinoids as a possible therapy for pain since my fellowship days. During that time, the Minnesota uh, cannabis laws went into effect and patients could start receiving medical cannabis. And that's really where the interest began. And since then, I've earned a graduate certificate in cannabis medicine and will be pursuing a master's of science degree in medical cannabis science and business at Thomas Jefferson University in Philly. Um, so just a couple disclosures. I'm currently a consultant for Boston Scientific, for Abbott, Medtronic, and Regenex. I'm also doing research uh, currently with Medtronic. And then my spouse is an employee of Greenwich Biosciences, which actually is a pharmaceutical company that makes FDA-approved products such as Epidiolex, which is actually CBD or cannabidiol, and the product containing a one-to-one ratio of THC to CBD, Sativex. Uh, currently, Sativex is in phase three clinical trials in the United States, but is approved in more than 25 countries, and that is the um, main indication is for spasticity in uh, multiple sclerosis. So that's a little background and disclosures, and then uh, back to you, Madi. Perfect. Wow. Some of that stuff I didn't actually know about you, uh, Dr. Smith, but uh, let's get into more of the meat of it, like you said. So my first question to you is um, kind of a very basic question. What is the difference between CBD and THC? Well, that's a that's a great question. And um, I actually want to start by talking first about some of the similarities. I think that's very helpful. So both CBD and THC are cannabinoids. They are phytocannabinoids, specifically meaning phyto, they come from the plant, and they can both be isolated from the cannabis sativa L plant. There's actually more than 200 total cannabinoids that we know about in the cannabis plant, and obviously the CBD and the THC are the most prevalent and clearly the most talked about. Um, honestly, there's actually several THCs or tetrahydrocannabinols that can be found in the cannabis plant. What uh, most THC, quote THC uh, people think about is the Delta-9 tetrahydrocannabinol uh, molecule. So that's really what we're talking about when I'm speaking about THC in this context. So THC itself binds with strong affinity to the cannabinoid receptor 1 or the CB1 receptor. And that receptor has high prevalence in the central nervous system. Because of that and the high affinity of THC to that receptor, this is the, uh, the thought uh, of why cannabis, specifically the THC component, produces the euphoric effects or the high that comes when utilizing cannabis or THC. 
So the molecular structure differs from THC to, uh, to CBD. CBD is the other main phytocannabinoid, also, like I mentioned, produced by the cannabis sativa L plant. Uh, but both of these, honestly, can be created in a lab. The biggest um, one that you might recognize is the um, synthetic THC marinol or dronabinol that is identical to the uh, phytocannabinoid THC, but it's developed in the lab, thereby bypassing the Scheduled One regulation of cannabis. Um, but so we know that there's different structural uh, makeup of CBD and THC, and because of that, CBD binds with low affinity to the CB1 receptor and a higher affinity to the CB2 receptor, which is more peripherally found. So because of that, the CBD does not produce the euphoric effects that THC does. There are many known binding partners of both CBD and THC, including the, the GPR55 or the TERP-V1, the ENT1, even the, uh, the mu receptor. So all of these receptor interactions from both chemicals regulate neuronal excitability in, in some fashion. Very interesting. Um, so I think a lot of us have seen uh, either through commercials or even emails, a lot of the new over-the-counter CBD products such as um, edibles, um, do these over-the-counter products have pain-relieving properties or sleep-relieving properties? Can you kind of give some insight about them? Sure. Uh, so let me first say that I'm unaware of any randomized controlled uh, trials specifically assessing CBD by itself for the relief of pain. There is an abundance of preclinical data suggesting that there is an anti-inflammatory component of CBD, which could mean it has utility for treating anti-inflammatory-based pain. Uh, but I want to emphasize that even in my, my quick look this morning, there has not been any actual clinical evidence yet uh, to support this. As far as sleep quality, we know a lot of our patients with chronic pain have disrupted sleep. And um, the same situation applies. I'm, I'm, again, not aware of any, you know, high quality randomized trials that have examined CBD in particular for improving sleep. What I do know is that a lot of people out there swear by these products for both conditions. There's, there's something in that. There's a lot of anecdotal evidence out there. We just don't have the data at this point to make a, um, a wide recommendation on the, on the topic. Hmm. So in addition to some of the edibles that you can purchase over the counter, there seems to be a lot of makeup products, bath products, um, which I'm assuming they, they're insinuating that the CBD in them can be obtained through the skin or, you know, have you heard of if that provides any pain relieving or sleep relieving properties? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. Uh, yeah, these these products are everywhere. I mean, you see you see these ads, you see products on tables at local department stores. I mean, it is it's widely available. Uh, here's here's my disclaimer though. So I'm obviously not as familiar with FDA regulations of cosmetics as I am with the FDA approval process for drugs, devices, or biologics. And there is a difference in what the FDA does. 
So for example, the FDA approves drugs and biologics, but it only regulates cosmetics. So I don't believe under our current system that FDA at all is responsible for approving the ingredients beyond color additives before the, you know, the bath or cosmetic product actually goes to market. They, uh, the FDA can send warning letters after the fact if a product is misrepresenting itself in terms of labeling. You know, all that being said, my own opinion is that the CBD cosmetic situation is a lot of hype and, you know, quote, the next big thing. But <laughs> I have no idea how slathering CBD on someone's skin might improve the condition of the skin. You know, I don't even know that anybody has studied that. But, you know, I guess my my recommendation on the topic is, you know, buyer beware. <laughs> well, let's move on to medical and recreational marijuana that you can go into a store um, that specializes that. In which states do you know is recreational use of marijuana legal? So it's really hard to stay up to date on this particular topic because the state laws are constantly changing. I actually, when I think about state cannabis regulation at the state level, I will typically see it falling into four different buckets. The first bucket would be medical legal, which is legal for both THC and CBD. And the second is uh, medical legal for CBD only. The third would be recreational legal. And then the fourth would be a decriminalized possession. Uh, To find the updated information on states' laws and regulations, there's a couple websites. So DISA.com or DISA.com seems fairly up to date on resources about this and then links to, to the states. Same with normal, N-O-R-M-L. They keep track of those things. So if you want to look up what your particular state's rules and regs are, you know, you could start at one of those resources. Uh, It's important to note, though, that federally, cannabis remains illegal. Although my understanding of the current administration is their stance will likely be to let states do their own thing and to not produce um, federal oversight. Uh, Obviously, states have varying degrees of medical and recreational legality, and it does not appear, at least with the current administration, that any of that will be um, enforced at the state level. Interesting. Um, Well, so we do know that, that, as you said before, certain states, um, marijuana for the purpose of um, pain or... uh, well, cancer, kind of a, for lack of a better word, um, and I can't think of the correct word, um, improvement in their ability to eat is legal. So basically medical marijuana. Um, Do you know how physicians become certified and then how can they provide prescriptions slash um, letters of approval to their patients? Okay, so so great question and often a, a misunderstood question. So let me just clarify a couple of things here. First of all, physicians or f- providers that can prescribe uh, do not prescribe cannabis for medical purposes. We actually can't. And the reason is that cannabis remains a DEA scheduled one substance, and we are not able to prescribe uh, schedule one substances to patients. And if we do, we lose our ability to uh, prescribe. So every state cannabis program for which I'm aware of, physicians certify 
that a patient has a condition that qualifies them for medical cannabis access via the state program. So, and I'll go into what the what my experience in Iowa is, but the provider essentially signs a document saying that a patient has a certain condition. That's all that's involved with it. There is not a, a legal prescription that is given to a patient. So in terms of training that a physician or provider must go through to be able to certify a patient for access to their state-regulated medical cannabis program uh, is that there's likely not. I can tell you that Iowa does not have any required training, and I do not believe most states do. At one point, I know, uh, I think Pennsylvania used to have required online course. I don't even know if they still do, as the laws are constantly changing. Um, but I'll tell you sort of what happens in Iowa when a patient comes in and inquires about cannabis. Um, the the Iowa Cannabidiol Program has a website that has an application. The patients fill out an application and they find somebody who will certify them for a condition. Once you, as the physician, for example, um, says that yes, the patient has a condition that's on the, the list of qualifying conditions, you simply mark and check a box and then attest to certain things like they have attempted to try more conventional therapies. Their conventional therapies are failing to provide them with, um, with adequate control of their symptom, et cetera. And um, we have to provide them from information from the public health department, which talks about possible risks of, of the cannabis um, drug, as well as possible drug-drug interactions, et cetera. And, um, and that's it. And then you sign off and the patient then they submit for their medical card. They receive their card. That card is then valid for one year. And there's no way to pull that card away from them. I cannot say, oh, this patient's abusing the card. I'm going to take it away. Once they have their card, that card is valid for one year. And then they would have to recertify. So again, every state is going to have different uh, rules and regs when it comes to certifying patients. Uh, but they should all have, you know, uh, active websites on what as a provider you need to do in order to certify a patient who you think would qualify for a condition. Okay. So say you meet a patient and you feel that their condition um, qualifies and you provide them with the certification, what do you generally counsel them on in terms of potential side effects? um, of medical marijuana? Yeah, great question. So here's, here's one thing. Um, the thing I don't want to miss out on talking about is a warning about CBD. And I want to start there because it seems that CBD is everywhere. Um, even in my recent review of clinical trials data, the FDA determines or determined that CBD carries a risk of liver injury. And that's even in some of the Epidiolex studies, we know that there can be liver injury with, with CBD-based products. So, and this is really important because like you mentioned, this is in everything. It's in tinctures, it's in capsules, it's in creams, it's in edibles. Um, and, and the hype is, is huge right now that there's so much accessibility to this that I wanna make sure that as um, providers, we all understand that we might be certifying for a condition, but we still need to educate our patients on the possible risk of what they're ingesting. Um, so obviously when I educate patients on CBD-based products, I, I tell them this and, and then I tell them that you just have to be careful. Um, when it comes to CBD, um, we know people have been using cannabis for thousands of years. 
we know the safety profile of THC pretty well at this point. Um, most commonly, the side effects that I talk to patients about and educate them on, as well as, you know, these are the, the same side effects that are seen over and over in clinical trials. The, the most common tend to be related to somnolence, sedation, dizziness, dry mouth, um, increase in appetite, and the feeling of being high or stoned. So obviously there's others, but these are going to be the most common patients will exhibit. So it's important to know a couple of things. We don't actually really know who's going to respond and what side effects they're going to have. So some people tend to respond favorably to THC where others really have no effect. Uh, we think that there's some genetic receptors driving patients' response to this, but we just really haven't looked at it with, with a research eye quite in depth yet. Um, you know, we need to keep these side effects in mind, especially when cannabis is being used in some of our high-risk populations, such as the elderly. Uh, one of the biggest risks with elderly folks who have pain is medication side effects that, that increase the risk of falling. So if they're using cannabis products and they're feeling dizzy or off balance, that's going to increase their risk of fall, especially if they're also using things like, um, you know, a low-dose opioid or even an anti-epileptic. So again, you know, in terms of symptom management, as I said earlier, some people respond, uh, some don't. We really don't have a good way of knowing who will respond and who won't and who will have what side effect and who won't. And that's really why I educate patients on all potential side effects and then consider them using that, that product along with their other medications. You know, at the end of the day, we really just need more research and more research on who's a responder and, and, and you know, who's at highest risk for these uh, potential side effects. Uh, but that's really how I approach it when I talk to patients about it in my office. Hmm. Well, Jolene, this is certainly um, a very interesting topic. And like you said, something that we need more research in. Um, I truly appreciate you talking today about this topic, which I personally don't have a lot of experience. And I imagine, you know, there are plenty of other clinicians who also don't have experience with it. Um, but I'm definitely hoping to become more familiar and um, potentially be able to offer it to my patients sometime in the future. So big thanks. Um, maybe who knows, we'll be doing this yearly as research and uh, recommendations change. I agree. Well, thank you so much for having me today. Happy to come back anytime. Perfect. All right. Goodbye, Dr. Smith.